1: Is it wrong to want, and I mean really, really, really want, Alexander Ovechkin to pass Wayne Gretzky as the NHL's all-time goal scorer? If so, why? (laughs) Because I'm telling you, I really, really strongly feel that way. But I'm also worried, especially now, that he'll be able to do it. Good morning to you. Good Tuesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this, the newly reborn DK Sports Radio Podcasting Network. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. I've done Daily Shot podcasts every weekday for a few months now and started just last week splitting them into three. I'm always more comfortable staying in my lane, if you will, with each sport rather than mixing them up and not necessarily thinking about them as clearly as I otherwise would. So this one is just just hockey. And this subject that I want to bring to you today is one that I'm surprised that I almost never hear anyone discuss. When we talk about the impact of the pandemic on the NHL, going all the way back to March 11, when Taylor Haas and I were in Columbus to cover Penguins versus Blue Jackets, and then just we covered one practice, got in the car and came back here. Um, ever since then, all of the discussion, all of it has been, how do you get a Stanley Cup champion? How do we award a Stanley Cup? And the NHL, to its credit, as well as the credit of the 24 teams that participated, but in particular the Lightning and the Stars for lasting all the way into the final, they got it done, and obviously Tampa Bay was your champion and deserves The most credit, but that really isn't the only thing that gets lost here. We've had a lot of discussions uh, in recent days around the hockey world about the possibility of outright canceling the 2021 season. And again, when people discuss it, they'll say, "Wow, gee," and not have a champion, and that seems to be the main thing that comes up. That and the money. You know, what do they do with the the all the lost revenue? Or can they even afford to lose all the revenue that they'll lose if they play in front of empty arenas or mostly empty arenas? What never comes up are the individual mile markers that are getting hurt along the way. I'm sorry, I'm a hockey lifer. And going back to childhood, I could rattle off every significant. League record, goals, assists, whatever it is, name you the player, uh, cite the number in most cases, and still today. So these things matter. I don't know if they matter more in the hockey culture than they might uh, in others, but I know that they matter. I know that they matter. And I know that there's no record in hockey that matches up to the goals record in large part because that's always been the standard going back to when rocket richard was the first to pop 50 for the montreal canadians in the 1950s that became the sexy stat if it you know if it hadn't been all along you had a marker and now After that, 50 was always the thing. It still is. Somebody scores 50 goals. It's a really, really, really big deal. Well, career marks matter, too. Career marks matter, too. Ovechkin is at 706 goals. Gretzky is at 894. The obvious gap there is 100 and... Hang on, I'm doing the math here. (laughs) 188. 188 goals Ovechkin has to get. He's 36 years old. He's going to have to. He's going to have to put up, you know, a, a pretty significant number for a pretty extended period of time. He already lost March and April, and remember, these are all regular season numbers. March and April of the last season. This season, if it's played. Is supposed to be forty-eight or fifty-six games, depending on which version of which story you believe. So he'll lose another thirty. Worse, he's losing games when he's younger. So it's not enough to say, "Well, just hang around a little longer, Ovi," and you know, and play until you're forty-two or forty-five or however long Yager's going to end up playing overseas. It's a tough, tough climb that I thought. Before this was at least plausible, if not something that you would bet money on. He has to put up a lot of goals over a lot of years. I think because of his style, he can do it, meaning you know parking himself in that left dot and firing. If you remember when Mario Lemieux came back out of retirement, that was basically like Mario's thing. why because it it didn't involve as much straight-ahead speed and, you know, needing to beat guys one-on-one and things like that, he would just put himself somewhere and use his amazing scoring touch uh, to finish plays, including from a severe angle some crazy angles, circus angles. Ovechkin can do any of that. Ovechkin has Nicholas Backstrom with him for several more years. They're signed together. They're not going anywhere They can keep making their magic, and he can keep scoring goals. But this hurts it. That's a real thing. I got other ones here. Sidney Crosby's at 1,263 points. Did you know that, by the way? He's got that many? Crazy. Have we just, or me anyway, just taken him for granted, you know? Anyway, he's at 1,263. The NHL's top 10 line starts at 1,590, so he is 327 points shy of cracking the NHL's all-time top 10. How long will it take to do that? I don't know. He's hard-pressed to be a 100-point producer, I think, at this stage of his career, and asking him to play all 82 games and produce at that level you know, might be a bit much, it's going to take a few years. But the more important point is, should he really just be a 10 or a 9? You know? Think about that. Why shouldn't he pass Mario Lemieux's 1,723? I mean, I'll, I'll go higher. Gordie Howe, Gordie Howe is fourth at 1,850. Mark Messier's third at 1,887. Yager ended up, again, presuming he's done, At 1,921, second all-time to Gretzky's number, which is so high, I don't even have enough digits or memory to share it with you. Gretzky won't ever be caught in points. Okay, I'll tell you, it's 2,857. Gretzky still has more assists than anyone else has points. I'm not kidding. (laughs) That's what I meant. So... Sid, to me, is a player who belongs in the top three or four point producers of all time. He's at that level he's a better player than Gordy Howe was he's a better player than Mark Messier was. I don't know about getting into the Gretzky Jager territory, and I also don't know that point totals are the only variable because Mario is the greatest player who ever lived, and Mario is seventh on this list. but Sid needs to climb and every game that Sid loses in addition to being a game that the penguins lose of Sid in his prime is a game that Sid loses some mile markers of his own along the way you get the point there's there's individual damage that's done and you hope that it it's not something that's going to really really hurt somebody uh from the stature standpoint over the years if ganny malkin is another guy, we saw the disrespect that he got when he was left off of the NHL's all-time uh, top 100 in the 100th season a couple years ago, which is still one of the dumbest things you've ever seen a league do, even if that league was already known for doing dumb things. But Geno's sitting at, at 413 goals. 500 goals is a really, really big deal. Sid's not there yet either. You want to see these guys get get these markers. You want to see them get where they belong. You know, you don't want them held back historically. Sid has now been through a lot of work stoppages, a lot of missed hockey. So has Ovechkin, by the way, since I brought him up first. You know, Gretzky had a lot of things handed to him when he went to Edmonton, Alberta. But Gretzky also never had to sit out a work stoppage of any kind. The NHL didn't have shutdowns back then. They had this crazy ironclad union that basically had the league wrapped around its finger. This is going to be tough, and I do think it's something that's worth a lot more talk than what I hear about it. When we come back, I'm going to be joined by Taylor Haas. Welcome back. Joined now by Taylor Haas. She covers the Penguins, the Penguin system, hockey of all kinds, hockey analytics, hockey contract matters, hockey labor issues. <laughs> Am I <laughs> missing anything, Taylor?
0: <laughs> I, don't, I mean, the the yeah, the whole AHL, HCHL system. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Hockey fill in the blank. Uh, you know, one of the things that, that actually this was probably y- your original specialty with us was... AHL and ECHL stuff Um, and I still can't wrap my head around how minor league teams can play hockey in front of limited or no fans when we talk about television revenue as it relates to the NHL well when we talk about it with the AHL and the ECHL there's none or virtually none and how are they going to pull this off or are they
0: yeah, I I really don't know. I mean, even, you know, every home game isn't, you know, broadcast on TV in, in those markets. They don't even have, like, you know, those big, uh, they don't even have, like, you know, full, you know, local um, TV deals. And, you know, you just have, like, you know, like AHL TV and 40 bucks a season. I mean, that's not paying for, uh, that's mm-hmm. not compensating for the lack of fans in the building.
1: Yeah, I, that's it's not going to come close, actually. And they do have their own bills to pay. I think there's a, a perception that everyone who's playing for a minor league affiliate has their salary paid for by the NHL team. It is absolutely not true. Is it?
0: No. I mean, um, you have your NHL contracted guys. If they're in the minors, I mean, they are getting paid by Pittsburgh, but um, if you're in Wilkes-Barre on an AHL deal, you're getting paid by Wilkes-Barre. If you're in Wheeling um, on an ECHL deal, you're getting paid by Wheeling. And then, I mean, you look at like like the ECHL too, they have to cover, um, uh, ECHL, they have to provide uh, housing um, for, for players. So, I mean, they're, uh, I, if the ECHL, I mean, I don't, I don't understand how they're doing it at all.
1: And one of the things that's come up, and, and, Bearing in mind that all kinds of ludicrous concepts have been floated in various places about how hockey can happen, not least of which is, let's play all our games outside, as if that was a thing. Um, Between the NHL and the AHL, there had been at least some speculation, or maybe more than that, that the AHL teams could kind of ride shotgun with the nhl teams do you know what i'm saying so like when the penguins are playing against the flyers they would take the wilkes operation to play the lehigh valley operation do you know what i'm saying and at least use the same venues did anything anything come of that
0: yeah i i don't know i mean just the logistics of of you know call-ups and all that i think um i mean that would make a lot of sense just because i i mean if, if a guy has to join it if he's joining a team and he ha- you know, can a call join a team right away? Does he have to quarantine at first? And I mean, you look at like what the NHL is talking about with um, like an all Canadian division. I mean, there are two Canadian teams with um, AHL affiliates not in Canada. I mean, Vancouver's is in uh, Utah and Calgary's is in um, California. I mean, how? And the
1: other way around. And the other way around. Yeah, there's there's, there's U.S. based NHL teams that have AHL teams in Canada.
0: Yeah, it just doesn't uh like yeah it the what you what you're talking about would, would make a lot of sense um yeah
1: <laughs> like right like I mean where are the answers to this like when I see you had um, a, a report a couple of days ago that Jordan Nolan signed now this is a classic overaged minor leaguer this is the son by the way for those of you who go way back with the Penguins uh, of Ted Nolan he's 31 years old. Um, he's been around the AHL block. He's, he's had a cup of coffee in the NHL. Uh, but he's a guy that you sign specifically for minor league purposes, or as you wrote to be a captain type. And if you bring him in, you are planning to have a season. Do you know what I'm saying? Somebody paying him.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, he, he's had more than a cup of coffee in the NHL. He was a full-time NHLer for a few years. last Last season was um his first full year back in in the in the ahl with san antonio yeah and when you when you bring in a player like that i mean you know some of these ahl they they never disclose you know how how much these contracts are worth but i mean a hundred thousand maybe but i mean those like veteran types um they they can be a couple hundred thousand and i mean they uh i mean you like you said you bring him in you're expecting to to pay those guys and um I mean, wilkes even signed a couple of AHL guys, you know, for Wheeling. So they're paying, you know, their own players and then they're paying a couple guys in Wheeling, too. And I just, I just don't under- I Yeah, it's tough. I don't know how Wheeling, because, I mean, you know, some EHL teams are in decent markets, make a lot of, you know, good amount of money. Wheeling is not one of those teams. I mean, no. Wheeling regularly is like, you know, towards the bottom or at the bottom in attendance. And, right. uh, they're they're set to play. I mean, the ECHL, I mean, they're having their camp now. They're starting next week. Um, I and, saw that.
1: That's why I'm asking. That was actually what triggered me to ask this more than anything else. It was like, really? They're just showing up and playing? With what money? That,
0: that, yeah, see, and a, a lot of um, ECHL teams have, have opted out. Uh, there are 26 teams in the league. 11 have opted out already. And, I mean, it's like the entire North division. There's... Um, like Norfolk, Atlanta, uh, just just a couple, and then, I mean, the original plan from the East AHL was to do like a, I don't know why the split format where some teams start in the summer, some start in January. Most of the ones that were starting January have already uh, opted out, so uh, only like Fort Wayne and Toledo are starting in January. But we're, we're, what I'm getting at is, uh, most the o- only one team in the Nailers division is starting when they are next week, oh, so. Wow.
1: Division it, champs. It,
0: well, yeah, but it's it's so it's it's indie, and then you know Fort Wayne and Toledo are starting um a month later. But uh, we're talking about you know costs and how they're going to pay for this. They're, so now their travel budget just you know went way up because they're playing like uh, what Orlando, Greenville, South Carolina. I yeah. I don't I don't know I don't why we are just
1: don't get this. I really don't. Um, I do know that in some form or other. The NHL, which isn't exactly going to be swimming in cash as is either, the NHL has to somehow find a way to make sure that their prospects, and I'm underscoring prospects here, not just minor leaguers, but that their prospects stay active and continue their development. And it's not enough to just say, hey, they're playing in Europe, go over there because, you know, who's even getting on a plane right now to fly overseas? It's just, it's so convoluted. And and it's it's gonna set prospects back uh immeasurably. I really believe that.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean I think the guys that are really gonna, you know, hurt the most from that are uh you know, the ones that have already gone pro, like the the North American guy, like like uh the Jordy Bellaries, the Justin Almeida, where like they aren't playing anywhere right now. At least some of the European guys, you know, they can still play the junior college guys, they're still playing. But you know, for those North American guys who have now some of them have been loaned to um European teams we talked about uh Cam Lee, Drew O'Connor uh but you know like the, the guys uh or like you know like Militech guys that were like on the cusp of playing in the NHL um this really isn't isn't good for them
1: that's Taylor Haas she covers hockey at DK Pittsburgh Sports thanks Taylor
0: thanks for having me
1: when we come back just one question
0: That's The Point, Point Point Park University.
1: Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question, and that's brought to you always by our friends at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank. Doing the best work that any of us can do right now with our society in the shape that it's in, working to eliminate hunger in our region. Go to GrowShareThrive.com. Org. Don't make me sell you on this. There isn't a higher cause than helping your neighbors have something to eat. GrowShareThrive.org is where to go. The question that comes in is by somebody who goes by Cheese. I, I don't really have, even have anything to say about that. Cheese asks, hey, DK, you probably get this question a lot, but I was having a discussion about Kasperi Capitan earlier with my dad, and and we disagree about how Capitan will do in Pittsburgh. I think this kid could have a breakout year since he was originally drafted by the Penguins as a speedy player that could complement their top six nicely. I just want to know whether you think he'll blossom as a player, stay the same, or become just another failed prospect. Well, you didn't say what Cheese Sr. had to say about this, so I'm just going to work off what Cheese Jr. has here. Um, let's just say there's some of the wording about this question that kind of, uh, makes me a little cringy to start off with. He's not a failed prospect. He's a real live NHL player. When you've made it in the NHL, you are no longer a failed prospect. Um, The term bust and, and, and things like that get thrown around way too loosely, uh, among sports fans. You're a bust if you don't make it. Uh, he's made it. He's an NHL player. Um, Can he be better than that? I am going to say this, and it'll sound like I'm ducking the question, but I'm not. He can have a breakout year, meaning he can hit 30 goals. He has that kind of finishing touch. He can pass a lot better than most people might realize. He has vision. He's also the fastest player on the roster. That's not according to me. That's something that Jim Rutherford told me. That's what their evaluators have. And when I kind of went, huh? He said, yes, faster than Brian Rust. So that's, that's a lot of raw tools and, and, again, more than pedigree. He's been in the league for a few years. Just because he was drafted by the Penguins and went somewhere else doesn't mean he's a prospect of any kind. He's an established NHL player. Can't make that point enough. But how will he do to me, the answer to that question has less to do with him and more to do with Sid and Jake. See, the way this is all being set up is that Kapanen, and Sid, and Jake are going to start out as the top line. Rutherford has basically acknowledged that publicly, and even though that's Mike Sullivan's call to make, ultimately Sullivan has also suggested as much publicly. So they're at least going to enter a training camp with that. The problem with it, I'm not sure which of these three individuals is going to play the role of Dominic Simone. No, that doesn't mean not ever scoring. I'm talking about taking care of the other stuff. All the stuff that you constantly heard Sid and Jake saying, we love having Dom with us. We love the way Dom does this. Dom handles this so we don't have to. This isn't going to be something where you put Sid between Jake and Kapanen and say, "You know, Hey, Sid, now you're the old man of the group, so you hang back and make sure you take... No, he's still Sidney bleeping Crosby. You're also not going to have Jake do it. You're not going to have a positional method to it, I believe, at all. Meaning, uh, for those of you who are you know, really into hockey structure and so forth like a left-wing lock where your left-winger is just always back. Well, no, because that's Jake Gensel. He's popped 40 in this league. You're not having him do Dom either. So who does it? I don't have that answer. Now, if they swarm the offensive zone so effectively, if they spend so much time attacking that their defense doesn't really matter. And for anybody who's thinking of a reference, think back to like uh, two or three years ago when Sid was first put between Jake and Connor Sherry. Remember that? Don't think of this past year's version of Sherry, the one from back then. And those guys were just cycling the zone. Uh, They'd put up 17, 18 shots on goal just as a line at five on five. It didn't matter who played defense. It didn't matter who back-checked because they never left the zone. That obviously would work. But that's really asking a lot, and I don't have an answer here. I'm betting that Sullivan doesn't either. So I don't know how that'll work. I, I just don't. If it does, if it does, to repeat this, Capitan has the natural ability to do what you are predicting, and it sounds like Cheese Senior is skeptical of. So I think it can happen. It can happen. Thanks. So, that was a really, really, really good question. Uh, thanks so much for that, and thanks for listening today.